Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Well, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. again people welcome programs and we are back with another episode of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and my name is derek diamond it feels like we haven't been here in a few weeks but it's weird because we just had a a different kind of show last week does it feel like we haven't been here in forever yeah and you know between everything that's been going on with work and then going out of town for a couple of days. And I know last week we did um, our Mario Brothers Super Show commentary on, I think, a Sunday night, because that was the yeah. only night that I could do it. That was so fun. And now we're recording this show on Monday. But we'll still be releasing it at normal time. Yeah. So I, I think over the next at least two weeks, we'll be back to normal because um, games start back for me on Wednesday. Uh, the day that the show comes out, and then run through Sunday, and then the team will actually be on the road for ten days. Oh, cool! So I'll actually have a couple of weeks of, you know, getting kind of back to normalcy before. Yeah, uh, I think it's May fifteenth when games will start back after that, and then you know there will be the long stretches of where I'll have to work, <laughs> you know, upwards of, you know, ten games in a row. Yeah, you know, back back to back. So. June and July, I think, will be uh, a little rough, but, you know, after that, I mean, it's already the end of April, and it, it kind of feels like, you know, the month has just kind of flown by. Yeah, it, it has, really. I mean, it feels like it just, it's, I keep thinking it's March, and <laughs> it's not. We're almost in May. Yeah, and I mean, you know, a lot of, a lot of cool stuff going on, uh, which I'll, I'll get to some of the stuff going on with, with, with my podcast at the, the end of the show, but. You know, it's stuff as far as what's been going on with me, I got to um, I, so I worked 17 straight days Whew. of not having a day off. And that was rough. But I did have a four day weekend. So I went out of town for a couple of days. Uh, my friends who are in a band uh, played at um, well, they, they tried to get into Sand Jam and Panama City. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they basically went to do like a battle of the bands type thing and. They didn't place high enough to actually get into the festival, but they did get to do an extra show at this bar called Hammerhead Fred's, huh. which is right off the beach. Uh, so we, we got to get out of town for a couple of days, and then you know Saturday, we got back early Saturday morning, like around probably 1.30, between 1.30 and 2 in the morning. Um, just kind of laid around and didn't do much of anything on Saturday, and then Sunday... Uh, went to the beach really for the first time this year, hung out there all morning uh, just to kind of get away from everything and, you know, have some time to myself and then just kind of laid around and I've almost finished the new season of Cobra Kai. Oh, I think I've got three episodes, episodes left. In. I'm only two episodes in, so I got a ways to catch up to you, but it's good so far. Yeah, I'm really liking it and it, and it gets better. Crease's story arc gets really interesting. Hmm. So you definitely have that to look forward to. But, awesome. <laughs> other than that, you know, just kind of been doing my usual thing, getting ready to wrap up the season of the Derek Diamond experience. Uh, that'll be in a couple of weeks and come back with that in the fall and uh, 
you know, still doing my thing with the Parker syndrome. Yeah, I take uh, I'm going to be taking a little vacation myself here pretty soon because I've been uh, since the beginning of the year, I've been working a second job. Um, so my weekends have been pretty uh, not relaxing <laughs> since the beginning of January. And um, my last day at the second job is this coming up Sunday. So I'll have my weekends back and um, I, I really need some time off to myself because I'm I'm burnt out, man. <laughs> I'm so burnt out right now. So I know how you feel when you go on those long stretches. And uh, yeah, I don't know where I'm going to go. I'm thinking I might take a little short Vegas trip or something like that. But I have to do something to kind of recharge the batteries. Oh, that'd be fun. No, Vegas was a lot of fun. Yeah. But I, you, I, you should definitely at least do like a weekend getaway or something. I wish I'd have done it earlier because uh, Scott Johnson, who has been on this show before, who was on our, our 100th episode, he does uh, the Frog Pants Studios podcast, and they're having a big meetup in Las Vegas this last weekend. And I really wish I could have gone, but I, I'm definitely going to try to go next year when they have it. So, uh, But I, I just kind of want to prime myself with a, a Vegas trip to kind of, you know, just kind of get away by myself for a bit and, uh, re like I said, recharge the batteries and uh, come back strong <laughs> to, to finish out the rest of the year. No, absolutely. And if you hear any scratching, which you probably can, it's my, it's Lizzie the cat. Lizzie the cat is uh, over here going crazy beside my desk right now and uh, not quite sure what she's doing, but uh, she's lost her mind. So if you hear some scratching, that's her. She's just doing cat things. Yeah. And I uh, apologize to everybody that likes to watch us live on Twitch. Um, last couple of weeks, of course, we haven't been, we weren't here last week. And then this week we had an opportunity to record on Monday night because we're actually recording another episode after this of the Derek Diamond Experience, which we will talk about at the end of the show. Yes. Yeah. So let's go ahead and uh, we got some interesting news tonight. We ready to move into it? Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. So our first story, I have not looked at this yet, and I didn't even know this was out until I read the Google Doc. Mm -hmm. The headline reads, here's your first look at Dr. Robotnik from the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Now, I did this by design. I wanted to get my knee-jerk reaction to this thing because I, I've been openly critical of this upcoming Sonic movie, which will be here before you know it. Mm -hmm. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's open this tab here. I haven't even opened it yet. I can see it comes to us from Polygon dot com let's see it's been more than four months since our first peek at the live action sonic the hedgehog and now comes the time to process the movie's take on dr ivo eggman robotnik thanks to what appears to be a leak on the eve of the sonic movie's first trailer well i didn't even know it was coming out that soon i didn't either we have a glimpse of jim carrey's role as the hedgehog's longtime nemesis huh that's interesting. Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, they got the goggles right, at yeah. least. I mean, here's the thing. Do I like the look? Not really. But at the same time, it's like, you can't do Robotnik's true mustache in live action. Yeah. Because it's so obnoxiously big. And I mean, he does have a big mustache for a normal human being. He's got the red jacket. He's got a thick mustache. It's a fairly simple, I think, take on it. 
but I still go back to what I've been saying that doing this in live action was not a good idea. I'm in the same boat. Uh, you know, I like Jim Carrey and hopefully this movie is just kind of a, I don't know. I have a feeling it's going to be way too goofy and I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to think about it really until we see the first trailer. Well, and the thing with it looking goofy is that the more modern take on Robotnik, he has been a little more goofy and, you know, campy and over the top. Yeah. He's not like the evil Robotnik from the early to mid 90s. So I think casting Jim Carrey, if that's the Robotnik that they're going for, I think he will pull that off very well. Like, I'm not worried about Jim Carrey's performance. If that's the Robotnik they're going for, I think that he will do perfectly fine. Yeah. But my problem is I don't like that take of Robotnik. You know, I liked yeah. the, when I watched the old Sonic cartoon from the 90s, not the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, but the one just called Sonic the Hedgehog based off the comic book, Robotnik was a scary villain. He had this really deep, metallic sounding voice. He had bright red eyes and he was just extremely intimidating. But I don't think that's the robotic that they're going for, which no. is unfortunate, but I don't think this Sonic movie is being made for those of my generation. I think it's for the younger audience. Yeah, I think so. Um, actually, I'm going to pause real quick right here, and we'll be right back. And we're back. We had a little bit of Derek was getting a little chunky there on the Discord, so we had to restart. You know, hopefully, it'll hold together for the rest of the show. It's all that fast food I've been eating lately. Yeah. <laughs> You're uh, getting a little Thorish right there. Oh, spoiler! Uh, we'll we'll. <laughs> I just got that. Uh, we'll 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 get to that in a second. But no, to close out my thing about the whole Robotnik deal, it says here that it is legit. Reportedly, Robotnik's look will change over the course of the film, with the leaked image representing the villain at his most normal. So. Hmm that that's a little interesting but then again why would his look change throughout the film uh, maybe he becomes more and more like the the video game version maybe but i don't know and also he's not bald yeah maybe that's something that changes <laughs> maybe he can't be eggman if he's not bald yeah i mean that would defeat the purpose well i mean his his body's kind of shaped like an egg in the yeah. video games so I don't know, maybe that's what changes. Maybe. But uh, like I said, I'm I'm going to see this movie, but I'm not going to be extremely happy about it. I will probably have to have a drink or two <laughs> to get through it. Yeah, I have a feeling maybe, that it's going to be the same for me. Maybe I'll do a Facebook Live like before I get to the theater and I'll yeah. just like pound like five or six <laughs> beers before I go in. Uh, I think we'll be in the same boat. But um, oh, man. <laughs> for our next story, uh, this is also on Polygon.com. This is uh, for today only. Uh, Best Buy is just giving away PlayStation, PlayStation Classics now. So uh, apparently if you're in the market for a new PlayStation console, Best Buy is offering a heck of a two-for-one sale. The, re the retailer will throw in a PlayStation Classic for free with a PlayStation 4 Pro purchase on Monday, April 29th only. Uh, yeah, I th really think that uh, Sony shit the bed with this whole PlayStation Classic thing. It just... 
it looks cool. It could have been a lot better. They just didn't have the games to go on it. This proves that you can't live on name alone to have exactly. a good product. I mean, yeah, in theory, a PlayStation Classic sounded great, but when you don't include any of the classics, exactly, it, it's it's not going to sell. And it's you know, like on the flip side, I'm very much looking forward to the Sega Mini. Oh, the same here. Not not just the fact that At Games is not making it, but I think they're going to have a very good choice of games. Yeah. And if I was in the market for a PlayStation 4 Pro, I mean, this is a hell of a deal. I mean, just to get a PlayStation Classic for free, I mean, that's that's pretty sweet. I wouldn't, I'd have no desire to own one by itself. Like, I wouldn't drop, what did they want, ninety nine ninety nine for it? No. Yeah, not a shot. Not a chance in hell. And I mean, I already have a PS4 and it's been collecting dust. Like I can't, I couldn't tell you the last time I turned on my PS4. Mine is a glorified Netflix box. Yeah. I mean, I'll use mine to play Blu-rays. Yeah. Same here. And that's really about it. But I honestly, I haven't turned my PS4 on this calendar year. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. It's probably been at least like October when I turned my PS4 on. Yeah, my Wii has been getting a workout lately. I can tell you that much. I mean, I still play the Switch, but even that's become, you know, with, with work and everything, it's been, you know, not as much as I would like. Oh, I meant like, Switch. I think... What am I saying? Wii? Why am I saying Wii? It's not 2008. <laughs> I meant my Switch. No, nothing, nothing wrong with the Wii, though. Yeah, I, I still need to hook my Wii up. I don't even have it here. Yeah, it's... Um... I read something the other day, and I should have included this in one of the Google Docs from a couple of weeks ago. IGN released a list of the best-selling uh, consoles by units sold, and the Wii was fairly high up there on the list. Oh, yeah. The Wii sold a lot. I think the we did that here on this show, didn't we? we? We did that here on this show. We may have. I can't remember. Yeah. If not, we can always rehash it. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Our next story comes to us from NintendoLife.com. Charles Martinet, the voice of Mario and former guest of the Derek Diamond Experience, cheap plug there, uh, hmm. clears up a decades-long debate. Anybody who's trounced Bowser in Mario 64 will likely be familiar with the line Mario utters as he flings Bowser, King of the Koopas, from the floating platform during the boss battle. Or more accurately, they'll likely be familiar with the confusion sur- surrounding exactly what the plumber is saying. Uh, Then there's a video attached where it's basically Mario fighting Bowser from Mario 64. And basically what you have to do is you have to grab Bowser by the tail, spin him around, and then throw him um, to strategically placed bombs along the edge of the the platform you're on. So there's been a lot of confusion as to what he said. And I'll admit I had no clue what he was saying too. I just... Figured, you know, with his thick Italian accent, he was just... You could tell he was saying something along the lines of so long Bowser or something like that. I I had no clue this was even a thing until this article. (laughs) And I was like, okay, so this has been a controversy? I didn't know it was that extensive of a debate, but I have always been confused as to what he said, but never really thought about it. Uh, See, some of the options were so long a Bowser, so long dear Bowser, so longy Bowser... 
That last one makes no sense at yeah. all, but the ha that hasn't stopped it being suggested along with many other variations. That is, until yesterday when Charles Martinet, the voice of Mario, and therefore somewhat of an authority on what has and what hasn't escaped the plumber's lips, has cleared up the confusion with a simple tweet. According to him, it sa he says, so long, King of Bowser. Well, there you have it, straight from the horse's mouth. You can't argue with the man who said the line, even if it's obviously, so long, dear Bowser. Debate, conspiracy, and memes can finally cease, and we're sure this is absolutely the last <laughs> we'll ever hear of this conundrum on the internet. A more qu pressing question is, how in the name of all that's good and pure is Charles Martinet not verified on Twitter? No which... kidding. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, the guy's the voice of the most iconic video game character of all time. Good lord. But let's, I'm going to play the clip here real quick so we can kind of hear what he says. Okay. Let me make sure this is all the way up. All right, here we go. Sounds like he says, so long, dear Bowser. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too. I don't know. You got to think. I mean, it was, he did record it almost 25 years ago. So he may, you know, and he's recorded a lot of Mario lines. So, you know, he may not have the yeah. clearest memory on what he said when he recorded the line. Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting the things that will be debated on the internet. <laughs> of course. It's the internet. We got to fight about everything. Yeah. But, um, but I think we're going to skip this next story and uh, we'll go ahead and move into uh, this month in video game history, shall we? Cool. In April of 1987, IBM launches the PS2 line of computers, which introduces VGA graphics and a three and a half inch floppy drive. Uh, the floppy drive. PS2 line of IBM personal computers. Uh, this thing just screams 80s. Ooh, look at that mouse. Right? That was state-of-the-art oh, back in the 80s. These, these types of computers just make me think of elementary and middle school. It does. <laughs> you know, I remember when I was in, I was in seventh grade, and we would have basically like our lab time um, during math class, and we would all go into this room across the hallway You'd walk in and there would be, there were like two tables set up in the middle of the room and they were long tables and each had, I think, three or four computers on each side. And then they had tables that circled the room on the outside and they had computers with those as well. So there were yeah. probably 20 something computers in that room. And I, I, I don't have a ton of memories from like my, I guess what I would call my younger days, but like that room I can remember clear as day. Like, I remember the layout, I remember the brick walls, all of it. <laughs> yeah, I can remember the computer lab when I was a kid, too, but we had the Apple IIs. Um, and I was trying to look here to see what these things cost back in the day, but I, I don't see anything that telling me how much it cost. Um, let's see. Oh, it says... Um, they had a high of 10,000 employees in Boca Raton before the PS2 came out. Only seven years later, IBM had $600 million in unsold inventory and was laying staff off by the thousands. Jeez. Jesus. I think well, I might try. Good. <laughs> I, I wish they had, if they, 
I wish they sold these uh, mouses. Yeah, I know. I'd love to have one. Like, obviously, with like modern hookups, but they if they had like a wireless version of that IBM mouse, yeah, I'd get it. <laughs> Just to have it. Yeah. In April of 1988, Namco releases Assault, which may be the first game to use hardware rotation of sprites and the background. I remember us talking about this last year. I do too. I, I don't, other than us briefly talking about it last year, I don't have any memories of Assault. Oh, yes. Uh, I remember talking about this. It's uh, You control a futuristic tank attacking the surface forces of an alien environment. Interesting. Now, I, like I've said before, I don't have too many memories of, of arcade games, even though this was released for the PlayStation as part of Namco Museum Volume 4. Oh, that's cool. And it was, it was released on the Wii Virtual Console in Japan uh, in June of 2009. So had a little bit of an afterlife after its um, original run, but no, never, never played Assault. Hmm, I didn't either. Uh, April 21st of 1989, Nintendo releases Super Mario Land on the Game Boy, introducing Princess Daisy to the Mario series. I've reviewed this uh, on the show, I think, at some point last year. It might have been very early this year, but one of the more frustrating games as a kid, and then when I went back and played it as an adult, it took me just a couple of hours to beat it. Yeah. It was the most frustrating thing. <laughs> Uh, but fun, fun game. I, I think the Mario Land games are are super underrated because they they just don't get the same credit that the console versions do. Yeah. On April first, April Fool's Day of nineteen ninety three, yeah. the seventh guest was released, produced by Trilobite and originally released by Virgin Interactive Entertainment. It is an interactive movie puzzle adventure game and was one of the first computer games to be released only on the CD ROM. I did a review of this game uh, sometime last year. Uh, they're having the 25th anniversary uh, release. He, um, it came out not too long ago. I'd, I'd like to get my hands on. Um, another thing I'd like to have, I, I really wish I had my original CD-ROM of this game because they actually had the soundtrack to the game that came with the CD-ROM. And I used to listen to the soundtrack all the time because it had some really good music with it. Yeah, I'd like to play the the anniversary version of this because I remember when you did the review, it, it sounded very interesting. It is a really good game. I mean, the puzzles still hold up. The, I you know it, they you know if they updated some of the graphics for it, some some of the cutscenes are really good. Some of them are kind of bad. Uh, the puzzles themselves are, look really good. Um, it was a really good looking game, and it held up well. Uh, especially the gameplay and the, the atmosphere of the game. Uh, it's really cool if you get a chance to play it. Yeah, I do want to check it out at some point for sure. Uh, let's see, April 2nd of 1994, Square Company releases Final Fantasy VI, then known as Final Fantasy III in North America, for the SNES on April 2nd in Japan and October 11th in North America. So yeah, it's one of those things where it's like six over there, it's three here, it's twenty-two in Europe. Uh, you know, nobody cares. I wouldn't be caught playing one of these games. <laughs> no, it, it's uh, it's a you good blow game. it. <laughs> I I will give it its due. I I have enjoyed it, but I still don't like the numbering system. I understand it, but I still don't like it. Nope. No, sir, don't because, like it. 
because when I'm not good at math anyway, this just confuses me. Mm-hmm. On April 3rd of 1994, Accolade releases Busby 2 on Game Boy, Sega Genesis, and the SNES. Bubsy, not bu- Busby. Bubsy, okay. Yeah, he was a he was kind of a failed attempt at a, a new mascot. This sounds very familiar. Yeah, you don't remember the Bubsy? Oh, games. I remember Bubsy. Yeah, yeah. yeah never played these games. <laughs> Bubsy screams nineties. Yeah, he ain't no Sonic. No, he ain't. And <laughs> to round us out for this month in video game history. On April 30th of 1997, LucasArts releases Star Wars X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, the third installment of the X-Wing series, and included several technical advancements over the original releases of its predecessors. X-Wing versus TIE Fighter runs on Windows, requires a joystick, uh, features a CD audio soundtrack, sports high-resolution graphics, and brings texture mapping to the ship models of the in-flight game engine. This is one that you know, I've mentioned games, you know, like Dark Forces uh, and other Star Wars computer games that I would watch my uncle play. Yeah. Um, I I recognize the title, but I don't remember ever seeing any gameplay of it. I used to play all these games back in the day. I had me a, a pretty sweet joystick for my Hewlett Packard uh, <laughs> back in the day. And uh, I had all the Star Wars X-Wing games. They were so good. One day I will go back and play these. I think you can still get these on uh, Steam. I'm pretty sure. If you can, I should review one. I know it's a while away, but you know we do have the new Star Wars coming out in yes, December. Yes, we do. I, I, that's we actually do what Star Wars I, month. I, I said I told everybody I was going to be reviewing the Knights of the Old Republic series. Uh, I think two I was going to do because um, mm-hmm. I, I, personally I think that's the better game. Uh, not, well, I mean, I, I don't want to get uh, beat up for that, but I just, that's my personal take. I like the second one uh, just because the gameplay was a little easier in the second one. But uh, I'm going to save that for later in the year for when Star Wars comes out. I just had an idea. Why don't I review the first one oh, yeah. and you review the second one? We can do that. I like it. Let's do that. Let's do that. That is a plan. I dig it. Awesome. Well, um, that rounds us out for this month in video game history. And tonight, I am going to be talking about... music on it. Marvel Madness is an arcade video game designed by Mark Cerny and published by Atari Games in 1984. Uh, For the arcade, the player uses a trackball to guide an on-screen marble through (coughs) six obstacle-filled courses within a time limit. 
It was Atari's first game to use the Atari System 1 hardware and to be programmed in the C programming language. It was also one of the first games to use true stereo sound. Previous games used either monaural or simulated stereo. Uh, let's see, when was this released on the NES? Um, I mean, it was released on everything. Uh, it says here, for the Amiga, the Apple II, the Apple II GS, Atari ST, uh, Commodore 64, the Game Boy, the Game Gear, Master System, NES, uh, PCs, the Genesis, and the ZX Spectrum. So this game's been on a lot of platforms. Um, I'm trying to find out when the exact date it was released on Nintendo. I know it's in here somewhere. Um, let's see. Uh, it was ported to LCD, LCD versions of the game in 1986. Uh, and also for the NES by Rare uh, in 1986. So this has been one of the games that I've been on the hunt for for a while, and if anybody follows, follows my Twitter, last weekend, uh, Easter Sunday, I hit the jackpot when I went to the local retro game store here, the Play and Talk, they had a Easter sale going on, um, it had this huge table of games, it was 10 games for $10, and um, I didn't see any uh, Super Nintendo or N64 games that I wanted, so I just I racked up on regular NES titles. And uh, one of the ones that I picked up was Marble Madness, and I was very happy about that because I feel like Marble Madness is worth the ten bucks alone. Um, and basically, what it is, it is an isometric platform game in which the player manipulates an on-screen marble from a third-person perspective. The player controls the marble's movements with a trackball, um, and then the home version is you use directional pads. Uh, the aim of the game is for the player to complete six maze-like isometric race courses before a set amount of time expires. And that's basically what the game is all about. Uh, there's different uh, kind of obstacles that you have to go through. Um, and one thing that I was really impressed with was how well this game w was ported to the NES. And the, the directional the pad, the D-pad, really, really works well. Um, and the the physics of the game are nice. Uh, it's not broken at all. My only real complaint with this game is is it's really short. Um, but they do have different um, you know difficulty levels that you can play. And but it's it's crazy how well this game holds up, uh, especially on the Nintendo. Yeah, when I was watching some gameplay of it uh, a little while ago before we started, it, it, you can definitely tell it was a game that was made for the arcade. Yeah. And that was something that I was curious about is, is how was it, you know, playing it on a console as opposed to playing it, you know, on an arcade machine? Because I, I, I could see it, especially with the NES controller, especially like, you know, going down the ramps and whatnot. It seemed like it could be a little frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I do remember playing this. I played this a lot in the arcades back when I was a kid. This was one of my favorite games to play, especially using the trackball. Uh, I really wish I had a trackball to play this game with. I think that would be a cool peripheral that they could have sold with the game to hook up to the Nintendo. I don't know why they didn't do that. Um, but it does work really well with the D-pad, and it's it's crazy how well it works. and. Um, I'm really surprised that this game hasn't kind of taken on a new life because this seems like the perfect game to use 
your like a, a phone or an iPad to kind of like hold the iPad and move it to kind of make the ball go where you want it to go. If you kind of get what I'm saying um, and using the, the physics of the game and things like that, it would, I I would play it on my phone. I think it it's ripe for it. Like this kind of game is made for, you know, to be a phone game like that. Oh, for sure. No, I could absolutely see this being available in like the you know the Apple App Store. Yeah, for sure. But uh, it says that Marvel Madness was developed by Atari Games with Mark Cerny as the lead designer and Bob Flanagan as the software engineer. They both handled the programming of the game. Uh, it features pixel graphics on a 19-inch Electrohome Geo Seven model CRT monitor. But that was pretty. Uh, High tech for back in the day. <laughs> uses State the, of the art. Yeah. <laughs> uses a Motorola 668010 central processing unit and a MOS Technology 6502 subsystem to control the audio and coin operations. Uh, it used a FM sound chip produced by Yamaha, which is similar to a Yamaha DX7 synthesizer and creates the music in real time so that it is in synchronization with the game's on-screen action. Now, I'm not sure they were able to do all that with the NES version of the game because I don't have access to be able to play it, uh, you know, the arcade version of this game. But that's another thing that really impressed me about the game is the music is really good for this game. I mean, you heard that, that track that I played at the beginning of the, uh, the, the thing here is it's real earwormy. Like it'll get, you know, stuck in your head and you'll find yourself like humming along to it. No, no, it was catchy. I liked it. And, uh, they were inspired by MC Escher for the courses and the landscapes, uh, in, in the game. So if that kind of, if you've never seen Marvel Madness and you know who MC Escher is, that kind of gives you an idea of what the the mazes and puzzles look like in this game. And uh, you know, you can you have to control the ball with the with the D pad, and you can you have like a short little uh, you know ramps to go down and across chasms and things like that. You have to keep it from falling off the edges. And of course there are things that pop up in your way that, uh, it can knock you off course or, you know, stun your ball or things like that. And it's just one of those really good kind of time wasters that I like to play kind of like, uh, you know, Tetris or, uh, Dr. Mario, like those type of games that you don't have to think a lot. It's just kind of plug and play type of type of game. Yeah. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, we've had this conversation a couple of times on recent episodes of the show is that we like having those games that, you know, you can pick up, play for 20 or 30 minutes and then, you know, put it back down and, you know, go on about your day. You know, not every game has to be this in-depth story like a Zelda or yeah. Final Fantasy. These games have their appeal. I mean, that's, that's what all mobile games are now. And I would I would love to have, like, an updated version of this game with not just six levels, but, like, you know, a hundred levels to go through. I think that would be awesome. Like, even as a console 
uh, version of it. I mean, you could this would be something that you could kick back and play on your PlayStation 4, the Switch, or Xbox. I mean, it's definitely one of those type of games that you could buy for pretty cheap. Like, you could pick it up for like nine, ten bucks and have hours and hours of playtime with it. Drink Wally. Drink Wally. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, was... I I don't disagree with any of that. No, I it would be it would even fit in perfectly today with you know something you could get on the Switch e store or the PlayStation store. Yeah, and update it because how many times has Tetris been updated? Yeah, you, yeah, you can update Marble Madness. Absolutely. Uh, and I've never played Marble Madness yet. I'm campaigning for an update. It says that after it was uh, released into the arcades, it soon became the highest-earning game in arcades. However, it fell from this ranking during its seventh week. Um, big, uh, let's see. He believed that players lost interest after mastering it and moved on to other games. Uh, so the arcade cabinets have since become fairly rare. Uh, let's see. Stan... Holy crap. I don't know if I can pronounce this name. There's... It's spelled S-Z-C-Z-E-P-A-N-S-K-I. Stan Zupanski holds the official world record of 187,880 points. The way I would pronounce his name is yes. Yes, that's his name. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see, Next Generation, uh, apparently that was a magazine in 1996, ranked the arcade version as number 15 on their top 100 games of all time. Uh, said the Genesis conversion was cool, but ultimately the Marvel Madness experience just doesn't happen with a joypad. It has to be played in the arcade to be appreciated. Uh, I don't know about that. I really like the NES version. Uh, let's see, a lot of retro gamers, Craig Grinnell, and referring to the game as one of the most distinctive arcade games ever made, praised its visuals as pure and timeless. Guinness World Records listed it as the number 79 arcade game in technical, creative, and cultural impact. It was one of the first games to use true stereo sound and a recognizable musical score. British composer Paul Weir commented that the music had character and helped give the game unique identity. Sweet. And it inspired a whole bunch of other games, too. Like, uh, it says Melbourne House's Gyroscope and Electric Dream Software Spin Dizzy, and of course, Rare did Snake, Rattle, and Roll, which is another game that I want to pick up. Uh, let's see, Super Monkey Ball and um, mm-hmm. Archer, Arthur, Archer McLean's Mercury. So many fun games. I, I, I remember Super Monkey Ball. Um, I think there was a version of that out for the GameCube, maybe? Maybe. That, that I had played. Or it, was, it was around during that, that era, and I remember playing it, but you know, I haven't, and I'll confess, I haven't played too many of these types of games. You know, like my my um, my time killer game was was Tetris, but yeah, you know, th- this does sound it does sound very interesting and one that you know I could probably have a lot of fun with. Yeah, there was a sequel plan for released in '91, uh, but it was scrapped, and I'm trying to find any information about that. Uh, Let's see. Uh, it doesn't really say anything. It just it says it was planned and never happened. Well, that's unfortunate. Maybe uh, maybe now's the time to bring it back. Absolutely. I would play it. 
that's a really good game, and I'm I'm really surprised at how well it held up. Like I said, I haven't played this game. I, I, this was a rental for me back when I was a kid. I rented it a few times. I always loved it um, as a good time waster kind of game, but I just I never purchased it as a kid. Um, I always went for more, you know, longer games like Super Mario Brothers and things like that. Um, but as an adult going back and playing this, it held up really well and I enjoy playing it. I'm glad I picked it up. It was worth the $10 alone. Uh, it was just nice that I got nine other games to go with it. And, uh, I've got plenty of other games to, uh, to, to review now because of that little jaunt over to the retro gaming store. It's so great whenever you have a find like that. I mean, I know they don't happen too often, but whenever you do. It's such a satisfying feeling. Oh yeah, but well, um, no, I, I definitely think you know that this game should make a comeback at worst as a mobile game. Oh yeah, absolutely. With a, you know, with with at least between twenty five and fifty courses uh, on it, I think it, it's it's perfect for mobile gaming. And why it hasn't been brought back is is mind boggling to me. No, I I agree a hundred percent. And like I said, it's a really short game. I mean, you if you're doing this on easy difficulty, you can literally beat it in like five minutes, <laughs> like five six minutes, and you're done. But it's just so fun, and you know, it's not Super Mario Brothers three or anything, but it's a nice game to have in the in the collection. I'm really happy that I have it. Uh, it's a really good condition cartridge of it. I picked it up for a buck. You can't beat that. And I, I, you know, I don't really, I really, you know, I don't, I really don't feel right giving it a number grade because it is kind of a simple game, but I mean, on fun factor, I mean, I give it an, you know, an eight just for the sheer fun of it. And I think that's fair. You know, you have to look at the game for what it is. Yeah. Like if you're looking so no, for I, an like RPG-ish that. experience or, you know, a, 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 a side-scrolling beat-em-up, this is not your game. Yeah. No, I, I want to, I kind of want to play this now. It's fun. It's really fun. Like, I was surprised at how well it, it held up. And it's funny because the, the gameplay I was watching, you mentioned that not taking that long to complete. The, the speed run that I watched on YouTube was um like five minutes yeah <laughs> but again i i don't think there's anything wrong with that because you have to look at games for what they are regardless of what their genre is like you have to look at this game as a time killer oh, whereas you look at yeah. you know ocarina of time is one that you're gonna you're gonna buckle down and you're gonna sit for two plus hours and play it yeah but i mean i mean if you're if you're the type of gamer like me and you just kind of like those quick short burst kind of gameplay, you know, something you just kind of take your mind off of things like, you know, uh, suit Dr. Mario or Tetris or anything like those games. This is right up there with that kind of just mindless time waster. No, I totally agree. But, um, but that's all I got to say about it. Anything else you want to add before we, uh, before we get out of here tonight? Uh, as far as this game or in general, uh, far of the game. And then we'll move on to what we got going on. No, I mean, I, I think you you summed it up pretty well. I mean, it, it's a it's a fun time to, you know, kill a little bit of time, and you know, it, it's a game that I hope to play at some point. 
Yeah, like I said, I, I see here it was out for like the Game Boy. How oh, was it? Um, the Genesis. So yeah, it it was out, you know, for a lot yeah, of yeah. things. So maybe I'll come across like a Game Boy version of this at some point. Maybe. I mean, it's pretty cheap. Like I said, I picked it up for a buck. You can't beat that. Yeah, for sure. So, Mr. Derek, before we get out of here tonight, tell us a little bit about the Derek Diamond experience. Yes, yeah, so to use a, um, I guess to use a baseball analogy, you and I are pulling a double header tonight. Yes, we are. Uh, in like 10 minutes, we're recording an episode of my show with Mr. Wally Phelps and Steve Wise as a follow-up to our MCU episode we did a couple of weeks ago where we will be giving a spoiler-filled review of Avengers Endgame. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and actually, this upcoming Saturday uh, at the place of where I work, uh, the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, we are hosting our Star Wars night for May 4th. And it's funny because all my coworkers were like, are you going to do a podcast before the game? And I was like, well, I wasn't really planning on it. And they were like, oh, you should. So granted that it doesn't take much for to convince me to do things. <laughs> um, I will be doing like probably like a half hour episode uh, of the Derek Diamond experience live from the stadium. Uh, should be a cool visual. We're going to have Star Wars characters out. Uh, we'll have some Star Wars themed food items. I'll probably, as far as content, I'll definitely talk about the Rise of Skywalker trailer. Uh, things that I'm looking forward to as far as like the Mandalorian. Yes. Um, other, other things that I think could happen in the future of the franchise. And should be a fun time. I might get some of the, the characters to stop by and make an appearance. You never know what's going to happen. And then next Saturday... Um, April 11th will be the season finale of the Derek Diamond Experience where uh, it will be featuring the cast and crew of a film that has been very near and dear to my heart, The Parker Syndrome. So, And that's uh, May we'll 11th, with the... not April 11th. That Yes, that is May 11th. <laughs> that shows how uh, screwed up we are on this month. Like <laughs> We're still saying like April 11th. can't believe yeah, this month no, is it's... gone already. Yeah, no, it it is it is May eleventh. Sorry, I'm it's it's been a long uh, it's been a long couple of weeks, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll be um, chatting with the cast and crew about just the making of the film in general. Um, I actually will not be hosting it. Uh, Mr. Julio Diaz, who uh, was on the panel for the Defending Bad Movies oh, episode cool. of my show, uh, he'll be hosting it, uh, so I can actually sit on the panel and. Uh, let someone who actually has some professionalism run that show. <laughs> and I will be there for that. Sweet. So yeah, we'll be doing one episode. We'll feature the cast and then another episode will feature the crew. Uh, and that will be the last two episodes of the Derek diamond experience until September. Awesome. Uh, you've always got stuff going on. I don't have anything going on right now, so, <laughs> except for this show. So if you want to follow my insane ramblings, you can go follow me over at Twitter at JFunktastic. And uh, I post all my insane ramblings over there. And oh, I, I had Mark Hamill uh, bust on me. Oh, yeah, that's right. A couple right. of days ago. I forgot to tell people about that. Oh, boy, that was so funny. Uh, see, what happened? What had happened was <laughs> Mark Hamill put a tweet on Twitter. Uh, Twitter that said, um, what did it say? It said something like retweet this. And, um, I wrote back, you can't tell me what to do. Hamill. And I misspelled Hamill. <laughs> I put two ends. It was a typo. And I got off of Twitter for about an hour or so. 
and didn't know what was happening. And then I get back on Twitter and all hell had broken loose because Mark Hamill came back at me and said, if uh, he said something like, um, actually, I can read the tweet. Let me open up Twitter here. Uh, He said something about, uh, could you please at least spell my name correctly? And as soon as Twitter pops up here, I will read the exact tweet. Come on, Twitter, you're being slow. Um, let's see. Come on. Oh, he said, can I at least ask you to spell my name correctly? I mean, it's right there and at Hamill himself. And at least like two to 300 people liked and retweeted it. So I got busted on (laughs) definitely by, uh, by Luke Skywalker himself. So that was a very fun day for me. And you said you don't have things going on. That's awesome. <laughs> that was so fun. I called my mom. I was like, Luke Skywalker made fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, great. That was great. So follow me over there on Twitter at JFunktastic. And uh, I think that's going to do it for tonight. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's get out of here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're at Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And if you liked last week's episode, we will do more of those if you get us back up to the $50 a month level over at Patreon. And all you got to do is give us a buck a month. If enough of you give us 50 bucks, 50 bucks a month, we'll do those extra episodes over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And also, if you can't do that, if you don't have a buck to throw at us, go leave us a review wherever you download our show from. So, Derek, please tell them what it's all about. Wow. Master Blaster runs by the town.